everyone and welcome to my garden. I'm a little bit nervous to be out here and not um, somewhere where I can control the sound so there may be some background noise, um, who knows, but we're just going to wing it um, because I wanted to be outside. It's a beautiful day. We're finally getting some cooler temperatures which I am loving. Um, I can get out into the garden. So yeah, we're out here. Um, I feel like I just do something new every week that really is taking me outside of my comfort zone. So last week we had our first interview on the podcast and that went really well and I'm excited to do some more interviews. So keep an eye out for that. But today we are mixing it up and yeah, if you are watching this live or you are watching the video, we are in my backyard and I've got a few other things installed for you today. So it's going to be an interesting one but today we are talking all about seasonal eating for self-sufficiency and what that looks like how can we learn more about that and the importance of it because I think it is something that is really important but it's something that has been really lost along the way we used to eat seasonally and grow a lot more of our food and over time that has become less and less to the point now that we sort of have things available to us all year round. So we are afforded the luxury of strawberries or tomatoes all year round. And there are costs to that. So we're gonna dive into a little bit of that. And then I'm, yeah, hope you feel really inspired after this uh, podcast to eat more seasonally and you're going to have some actionable steps that you're going to know what to do next. But to start off with, um, I thought we would just do a little bit of a catch up, what's been happening in the garden, um, my highlight of the week, which I'm really excited to show you. I'm gonna, I actually have it right here. This is my highlight of the week. So I harvested my bottle gourds. So I have two that I harvested and I have heaps more on the vine. Um, I think I shared last week that I was really excited that I had two different gourds. So I've got the Kakuza and also the um, New Guinea bottle gourd. So this one is massive and I actually cooked with this last night. So there is a video coming with um, using this in a recipe uh, that will probably be coming this weekend so we'll see but um yeah this was really exciting I mean it is such a prolific plant and this is a lot of food so you can use these gourds I guess similar to a zucchini or to a squash so when I cooked it last night it was soft it was quite soft once it was cooked so it was very similar to the texture of a zucchini and you can just peel the outer skin using a peeler and then cut it up and use it just how you would zucchini so that was really exciting um a few other things i think i have quite a lot of highlights in the garden this week so another few things were that i picked up a free compost bin so i have how many compost i've got two tumbler compost bins and i also have a in-ground some in-ground worm compost bins but I really wanted to get a compost bin that had an open bottom that I could put in one of my garden beds so that the worms could come up and I could sort of do an in, in situ compost bin there. Um, the tumbler ones are great but you do really lack that um, 
organisms being able to go up in there and then it's so easy you can just lift it up and then all of the good soil is right there in the garden bed and you don't have to move it around or try and get it out so I ended up picking one of those up for free on marketplace which was I was like so happy about and I think I shared that on my social media and someone commented that they just picked up a free um oh my god what are you doing in the background so he's just going to the toilet in the background love that for me um Tama likes to appear in all of my videos and this is no exception um but I also picked up a free worm farm so that is something that is so exciting I literally felt like I'd won the lottery and I got this on a local page it was also a marketplace but it was about three streets away from me so it was so easy to go and pick up and um, I am so excited to have a worm farm. So I do want to make my own DIY one because we are in such a hot, hot climate. Having those black worm farm bins or, you know, worm cafes can get really, really hot here in Perth. So I am going to be doing a DIY one out of a old fridge or freezer, but to have one... Uh, I was not going to say no to that so I'm excited to I just need to get some worms and then I'm ready to go and I can't believe how excited I was over that like it was like I got I won the lottery and I got a compost bin and a worm farm for free on the same day so um, those are some highlights of the week for me I'd love to hear what's happening in your garden so leave me a comment in the live chat or um, if you're watching the replay then definitely do that and if you haven't already subscribed wherever you're listening to this then please don't do so it is really going to help me grow my channel um, and get some interesting guests on the show so that is something that I'm really excited about but um, in today's episode we are going to um, just yeah have a chat about seasonal eating but I also have something else to show you so let's jump into that and that is my plant of the week so I picked up this plant of the week um I actually I got this at the Guildford garden center I went there to pick something up and I got distracted and ended up coming home with more than one thing it's something that happens to me quite a lot I go for one thing and end up with like plants that I didn't necessarily even know I needed but um, this is the olive herb now I've never heard of this before and I saw it and it is like it literally is an olive herb it smells like olives and it tastes like olives so it kind of looks like a rosemary cross lavender and it's definitely got like a rosemary sort of flavor to it um as well as olives now this is quite often used in like ornamental gardens as borders similar to a society garlic that's often used in like a cottage garden or an ornamental garden it is going to attract a lot of pollinators to the garden with its yellow flowers and um it's also a perennial so it's going to continue to grow all year round and it's got a lot of medicinal qualities so it's something that I'm looking forward to learning more about and planting in the garden um, I just think these will be so good to add into cocktails or on pizza it's also giving me sort of like pine tree vibes or like a miniature lavender bush 
so crazy that this can like be olive flavored yeah strange anyway that is the plan for the week this week and i couldn't wait to share that with you because it was just something interesting and weird and i love learning more about interesting weird plants especially perennials and pollinator plants because those are all really good to have in the garden and i can use this as sort of a low-lying um I guess it would be sort of like a ground cover. I think they grow a, a little bit taller, like maybe a mid to low um, plant in like a food forest. So I think I think I read that it was about 50, 30 to 50 centimeters tall. Um, so that would be a really good one to sort of have in here um, to fill up some gaps and add flavor to meal. Can still taste it it's like definitely got like a rosemary aftertaste something else that i am trying new in this episode so let me know um this is more so for the people that are watching and if you are um listening to this you can catch the replays on my youtube channel so i also have set up a garden cam so that you can get a little bit of a closer view of what's going on in the garden um so this time of day it's the bird hour in the garden so i usually am filming youtube videos around this time of day and i get a lot of birds in the garden so i'm hoping that we're going to get some through today uh, this is my feed tree and they love to dart in and out of here um so we'll see if we get any i'm i'm sure that they are not going to make an appearance just because i'm uh filming but we'll see um, but let's dive into the seasonal eating. So seasonal eating or the lack of seasonal eating can cause quite a number of different issues globally. So um, some of the negative impacts to not eating seasonally is that you're going to, we, people are going to have to create hybrid environments. So if things are growing outside of their natural season, it's going to take a lot more effort, a lot more infrastructure. For example, if we're talking about tomatoes, and tomatoes are generally something that grow over summer. If we're wanting to grow tomatoes outside of that season, then we're going to have to force them into thinking that it's summer. So we have to sort of create an environment that tricks them into thinking it's summer. And that quite often means a lot of greenhouses, a lot of... Um, structures and infrastructure that can make them feel like it's summer so in having food available all year round and not just using seasonal produce we are looking at expanding and having a lot more infrastructure and also a lot larger food miles so our food is going to have to come from a lot further away and often it means a lot of imported food is coming in um, from across the world to cater to our needs that we need to have you know strawberries available all year round or we need to have tomatoes available all year round um, and we can't grow them naturally here in our environment then that's when they get imported um, so it is going to create a lot of you know food mileage and um, it also has fewer nutrients so growing food outside of their natural season and forcing them into that and sort of tricking them into that with different environments often means that they have less nutrients because they are growing sort of hydroponically or unnaturally and 
they just don't have as many nutrients in them so it is really forcing them into something and that is not something that we want to do we want to get as much nutrients from our fruit and vegetables as possible and you've probably noticed if you're eating tomatoes out of season they're very watery they're pale they taste like nothing um, and they're not very good compared to a homegrown tomato grown in the right season that is you know really vibrant colored and full of flavor and juicy and delicious the contrast is wild um, sometimes I think people don't really realize how things taste until you grow it at home it's it, some things like carrots for example homegrown carrots I feel like they just taste so different to a store-bought carrot which tastes often very bland and only the scent of it is sweet the rest of it tastes like nothing Whereas homegrown carrots are so sweet and delicious. And um, yeah, so they have a whole lot less flavor when they are grown out of season or forced to grow in an unnatural environment, uh, not in their correct season. And it also is, I think this is something that's really, really huge and quite clear is that it's really disconnected us from our food because we no longer know when things are in season and not knowing when things are in season also means we don't know when to plant them so from this episode i hope to inspire you and i hope to help you start to figure out um sort of the way that i look at food and the way that i look at growing food and how you can figure out when to plant things based on seasonal eating because that's a question that gets pop, like pops up all the time and even for me it pops up when I'm looking at growing something new that I've never grown before it's you know when do I plant this but if you learn when things are ready and like ready to be eaten and in season you can kind of work backwards and figure out when you should plant it um, and that's a really really valuable skill that you can take forward and you can easily figure out um, when you should be planting things so for example if we talk about say broccoli and cabbage broccoli and cabbage are in abundance in winter they are a winter veg and we can kind of step back and be like okay well if they are ready in winter that means they're going to have to be being planted before winter because they need time to grow so by the time you plant seeds they turn into seedlings and then they turn into plants to, to grow the broccoli or the cabbage they're going to need a while to do that so we're looking at more like an autumn planting to then be ready for winter so you can kind of work backwards if you know when things are in season so this is going to work whether you have a garden have a small garden or you're just buying locally at the farmers market and that is something that I think is really important is if you you know aren't growing all your own food which most of us won't be doing unless we have huge um, properties or just really diverse properties a lot of us are going to be supplementing our food and our fruit and our veggies with with bought veggies so if you can choose things that are grown at the markets that's going to be a really good indicator as to when things are in season because usually the markets are grown by locals that are growing things in season because it's easier for them they're not having to create you know all this extra infrastructure like we just spoke about um it's 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 easier and more efficient to grow with nature than against nature so more more than likely everything that you're seeing at your local farmers markets is stuff that's in season so that's a really good way to start learning and also 
take a look around your neighborhood. If you're out walking, I walked this morning, I walked my dog and I noticed the pomegranates on someone's tree. So the pomegranates are in season now and that's just like something that I've mentally stored. Um, autumn, and you can also write these things down so you can create a little bit of a calendar too. But um, another thing is like loss of joy around being excited for produce. So if you have the available tomatoes all year round, you're not going to be that excited about tomatoes. But if you haven't had tomatoes for a while and it become it comes into tomato season, it's like so exciting. You're so ready for tomatoes. Um, and it's more celebrated. The food is more celebrated. We and if food is more celebrated and enjoyed and excited, you're excited about it, you're less likely to waste it. So there's less waste involved um, with eating seasonally as well. And then, of course, those are just some of the negatives around not eating seasonally. And we have touched on some of the positives around that as well. And um, again, like it's going to be cheaper because it's easier to grow. And so if you are buying things at the markets, then you're going to probably see that the price is a little bit cheaper and the things that are more expensive are things that are having to be imported or things that are grown out of season and are taking a lot more effort, time, energy to, to make or to grow. So um, yeah, I mean you can, there's so many amazing reasons to eat seasonally. I could talk about this forever but I'm not going to so I'm just going to share some of the main points that I think is important for why we should be eating more seasonally um, and that is you know less food miles nutrient dense food so food that has been allowed to grow in its you know perfect environment its ideal environment its ideal temperatures everything like that is going to grow with so much ease and it's going to have a lot more nutrients in it because um, you're working with nature not against it and I think that is something that's I sort of take into all of my gardening is working with nature and not against it and if I feel like it's too hard like something's not right here it's too hard I feel like I'm forcing it you know then and that's when something that's a time that I'll really stop and step back and take a look at the bigger picture and figure out what's going on because that normally means that I'm working against nature and my whole philosophy of gardening is working with nature so that can be a really good indicator that you need to look at it because it can be easy gardening can be so easy i think we just sort of often make it hard when we are trying to force things to grow in unnatural environments um, and the more that we can lean into growing things in their desired environment or creating little microclimates that are going to suit your climate which can be completely different for someone else so if you see someone else growing something really well um, and you want to try and do that at home and replicate that at home, it may not be exactly the same. You may have to just do some trial and error and figure out what's going to work because something will work, but it might just be slightly different than what you've seen someone else do. Um, and it allows us to reconnect with our food. It's something that I think is, yeah, I just, I just think it's so lost. People that uh, just eating whatever, whenever, and it's 
growing your own food, you do really realize how precious it is, precious it is and how hard it is to sort of get a yield out of it. You've got to grow it, you've got to nurture it, you've got to, you know, protect it from pests and diseases. So I think we're already on a we're already on a huge advantage by growing our own food to really reconnect with our food and figure out, you know, what what is working with nature, what is working um, and what's not working. And that already is a huge reconnection with food. But the more that we can, you know, look into our seasonal produce and find out when things are in season, the more we're going to have that reconnection, the more we're going to be able to just automatically know. Like I know when broccoli should be planted. I know when broccoli should be harvested. Same with strawberries. Um, you're just going to be able to have that knowledge because you have stopped and thought about it and researched it and learnt and even grown it or purchased it at the farmer's market. Um, and we look forward to it. I don't know about you, but there's like some certain fruits and vegetables that I just get so excited for. And also, you get sick of. So I know growing things seasonally, you do get a huge abundance. And that's exciting. And we can preserve that so that we can use it throughout the year. So it also gives us just a little bit of vegetable fatigue. And... I don't know if you're thinking about anything in the garden right now that you sort of get sick of by the end of the season and you're like, okay, I've had enough. I cannot eat any more rainbow chard or I cannot possibly eat um, another, I don't know, what else grows like ridiculously all at once? I guess, I mean, you can't really get sick of tomatoes, can you? No, I'm pretty sure you can't. But if you... You get what I mean, like you, you sort of get overwhelmed with vegetables when they're in season and you can preserve them to use throughout the year, but you're also ready for a break. You're also ready to switch it up and grow something different. And you, then by the time the next season comes around again and you're ready to grow again, I like I'm already so excited for rainbow chard. Um, and yeah, it just gets you more excited about vegetables, you more, um, and they get celebrated and if you're celebrating a vegetable you're less likely to waste it because you know it's going to be quite a long time before you're going to have that again um which in turn is yeah a little bit more precious a little bit more um you're not going to just like leave it to go bad in the fridge so it's a lot easier to reduce your waste when you are acknowledging how precious that vegetable or fruit is and you know what a short period of time you've got to sell to to enjoy it to to celebrate it fresh because for the rest of the year you might be having it frozen or preserved or just not at all um and ways that we can sort of learn about seasonal produce i do i did find a really really good link for australia so i will pop that in the show notes show notes or in the comments of the youtube video and it was yeah a list of things that are in season in all of our different parts of australia which was really helpful really useful it was broken into fruits and vegetables so you could see what was fruiting um, in perth and what was what vegetables were ready in perth um, so I thought that was really valuable because that's something that I want to 
capture in my garden is when things are ready especially my fruit trees because I am trying to get a year's supply of fruit from my garden um, and if you watch my last video I just did on my all of my fruit trees a tour of my fruit tree garden I have 25 plus fruit trees now but I want to sort of fill in those gaps and like mark down when all of my fruits are ready and say for example a lot of my fruits are ready in autumn and in winter because I have a lot of citrus and citrus is generally ready in, win in winter and in autumn um, my fijoas and my guavas are going to be ready and so I can sort of work out everything and when it's going to be generally ready and ripe these things do change like every year because we may have you know a really hot summer or a really dry summer or a really wet summer every year is going to be a little bit different in terms of when they're ripe and ready but if you sort of can figure those things out then you can fill the gaps and that's something that's really exciting as well so if you do have a time in your garden that you don't generally have a lot of fruit available or a lot of vegetables are available maybe you know you've got a, a gap you can look into what grows in that gap so what is ripe and ready in October in Perth or in Sydney and then you can maybe grow that and then that's going to fill your gaps and it's going to mean that you're going to be more self-sufficient all year round um, by just figuring out and I you know I guess connecting with what is in season and when it's in season and then you can start filling in some of those gaps so I will get that link for you because it was really really helpful um, but also just take a look at what you've got growing in your garden what fruit trees do you have? When are they ripe? When are they ready? Um, and maybe just note that down. And the same with your vegetable harvests. And um, then you can sort of look for alternatives. So there are a lot of alternatives out there. So some of the alternatives that I have in my garden that are perennials. So for example, uh, I have my edible canna which is a substitute for potato that's available all year round and I can't necessarily to be honest I haven't tried to grow a potato all year round I probably could but if you can't grow something all year round and you want to have something similar then you can look at alternatives and the same with garlic and society garlic so um, garlic takes a long time to grow and if you don't grow a lot of garlic you're not going to have that available all year round having an alternative like society garlic that gives you that garlic flavor is going to help you fill in those gaps when you don't have garlic available so that's something that I think is really exciting is thinking about you know what gaps you have and what alternatives could you get into your garden or or you know find at the markets that could fill a similar sort of space in terms of how you can cook it in the kitchen um, and yeah, preserve your excess. Obviously that's something that would be ideal as well is if you do get an excess, you can preserve it, whether you freeze it, um, can it, turn it into chutneys, jams, pickles, all the things so that you can use that throughout the year and you can get a little bit of a taste of that fruit or vegetable, um, later on in the year. Um, and in terms of accelerating your journey we've sort of touched on this but knowledge is power and knowledge is something that you can take with you wherever you go so if you are in an apartment or in a small superb suburban lot and you're looking to 
um, get acreage or get a bigger farm or land or just move from you know a rental property into your own place where you can sort of get into the garden and start planting things in the ground then um, start learning now like you can take that knowledge with you wherever you go even if you you know change countries like I've moved countries I can still take my knowledge with me even though it will need to be adapted and relearned some of it but the core knowledge of seasonal eating and seasonal plants is going to be the same wherever you go. Generally, we have two sort of planting seasons and I plant predominantly twice a year. I plant all year round, don't get me wrong, but I have two core planting seasons. So my first core planting season is in spring. So the end of winter to spring is when I'm starting to plant all my summer crops. So all my warm season crops. And then my second core planting season is in autumn. So in autumn, I'm starting to plant all my cool season crops. So all of my winter crops. Um, so I can kind of categorize my plants into those two different planting periods. So if it's a summer crop, then I'm probably going to be planting that in spring. So that it has time to grow throughout spring and then be big enough to be holding fruit or vegetables during that warm summer season. So that's another really, really great thing to learn. It's just like if it is in season in summer, I kind of already know, like I'm going to be planting that in spring. There are exceptions to this rule, of course. So if you're thinking about, you know, for example, pumpkins and watermelons, they need the maximum amount of time to grow. So we really want to be planting those early, early spring to then be harvested before frost starts, so in autumn. But generally, that's how I work it. That's how I learn about when to plant things, is I just think about what's in season and then work backwards. Which planting zone am I in? Am I in one, which is spring planting, or am I in two, which is autumn planting? So by figuring out when things are in season um, that's honestly how I know when to plant things and like I said before if you go to the farmers markets if you shop local you're going to have more chance of finding out when things are in season than shopping at the supermarket because at the supermarkets obviously a lot of imported stuff is happening a lot of hydroponic stuff is happening a lot of um, unna unnatural stuff is happening I mean, we could dive into a whole other realm there with the supermarket fruit and vegetables. Um, the stuff they spray on them to stop them going bad on the shelves. Like, there's a whole other thing going on there, which is probably a topic for another day. Um, but, yeah, if you can go to the local farmer's markets, that is not only going to give you better quality, better tasting but it's also going to give you that knowledge of what's in season and therefore you're going to be able to take that knowledge with you to know when things are going to be planted um and then yeah obviously shopping local by going to those markets you're also supporting local growers that are uh, in your local area so that's always another great thing to do as well um but let me know in the comments if you are watching live if you have any questions on um 
seasonal eating or seasonal planting, how to figure out when to plant things. Um, and we can do a little bit of a Q&A. I can jump into that now. Um, I don't think we've seen any birds. No birds so far in the garden, but you can. I do have my Fijoas just starting to come on and my Hawaiian guavas as well. So I have a lot of autumn fruit. Um, so that's definitely something that I want to work on is expanding that and having more summer crops. I think that's what I'm lacking the most is the summer crops um, in terms of fruit because I have a lot of citrus and that's in winter and I think summer fruits are stone fruit which is what I don't have a lot of that could be why I do have an apricot I did have some nectarines but they did not last through the summer um, we lost those so yeah it could be time for some more stone fruit I think that will help me bridge that summer gap um, I guess one of the main reasons I've held off on getting some stone fruit is because I feel like they're a little bit more I guess what's the word like not harder to grow but they are a little bit more sensitive and we have like extremely hot summers here so you do have to give them a little bit more protection which is why they died because they were just like exposed in my front yard absolutely cooked so um, the more my fruit trees start to grow the more shade I'm going to have the more I can create these little microclimates and that's another great way to I guess extend your season so if we are talking about um, what extending seasons so we can extend our season if we are talking about seasonal produce and there's a few ways to extend your season one of them is growing different varieties so different varieties are going to be ready at different times so you can grow multiple different varieties and really extend your season so if there's something that you love to grow or love to eat and you just would like to have it for a little bit longer than what um you think is in season then take a look at the different varieties because in terms of like basically for everything for our cabbages for our fruit so for like mandarins and oranges apples all of the different varieties will be fruiting potentially months apart so you could have fruit that's ready one variety that's ready in January one variety that's ready in February and one variety that's ready in March so that's going to give you three months of that fruit or vegetable that you can really capitalize on and you know enjoy and celebrate and then also like start to preserve that to use throughout the year so that's something to look into if there is things in your garden that you just really love and you would love to have more of them for longer periods of time then look into those varieties and see when things are ready or how long they take to be ready and that's a really great way to extend your season. Um, and I'm doing that with quite a lot of different things in my garden. Um, growing different varieties so that I can, you know, extend my season. Um, and that's another great way to just, when you do go to a nursery, you can find out that information. Um, speak to them. You know, if you, if you have your calendar mapped out and you know, you know, generally 
my guavas are fruiting in April, for example, then you can go to the nursery and say, I would love some more guavas. Like, do you have any of that fruit, you know, in May? Or do you have any of that fruit in February? So I can sort of have multiple harvests. Um, and they'll be able to tell you that. So that's something that's a really great way to extend your harvests. Another way to extend them, if you are wanting to grow things for longer periods of time, is to one succession plant, but also create like microclimates. So creating microclimates in your garden is a really good way to grow interesting things or grow things that don't are a little bit, you know, more tender they might need protection from wind or frost or sun and you have a lot of those things going on in your garden you can create little microclimates to then plant those things in and you'll be able to get a an extended crop of that thing so even if it's something that you think you can't grow because it's just too much wind is there a way that you can create a really sheltered part of your garden that is either sheltered by trees or by um, structures or you could set up a temporary structure there's something that I would love to grow in my garden but I do get a lot of wind like a lot of wind I'm actually really surprised that, that we aren't getting more wind here my literal wind sock on my microphone is hopefully doing the trick um, but I do get a lot of wind here and so something that I would love to be able to grow is tamarillos or tree tomatoes but they don't like, I just don't think that they would cope with the amount of wind that we get here. So if I can create a little bit of a sheltered pocket, I now that I'm getting a lot more trees, I am getting a lot more shelter in from that wind, I could find a nice little warm sheltered spot to put my tree tomato. And so you can kind of, in a way, manufacture natural environments. So it's still going to be working with nature but it's just going to be helping it along a little bit and by creating a little bit of a microclimate and the same with like you know having ponds or water sources this can also be a great way to regulate your temperatures um, by having a water source there having like a warm fence if you need lots of warmth for that plant um, there's lots of ways that you can start sort of working with nature but in more of a natural way to extend your harvests or grow interesting things that you didn't think you could grow. Um, it's so great to see so many people from all around the world tuning in. Thank you guys so much for uh, for joining me here from, you know, we've got We've got Perth, we've got New Zealand, Northland, we've got South Australia, uh, Northern New South Wales, um, Georgia, USA. Um, it's it's so good to have you all here. We're all sort of doing different climates, but we all sort of have similar ways of growing, working with nature, and there's so much that we can learn from from everyone everyone has something to offer and something to share so I thank you so much for sharing those things with me in the comments or in the live chat because um, it's so exciting and I'm excited for you I'm excited for you Jane you've got passion for it coming through you've um, found a Queensland blue pumpkin hiding in your sweet potatoes that's a bonus it's always exciting to 
find surprise veggies in the garden. I just like I found my um, that I had a bottle gourd and not two cuckoos. That's always exciting. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot happening in the garden in the next few weeks. I'm still planting a lot of seeds so I've done my first round of seeds so if you watched my first episode I set some goals I have a long way to go on those goals but um, hopefully I can get them all done by the end of the month and we can sort of do a recap what happened in the garden during March and what is going to be happening in the garden in April just so I can give you some like real time this is what I'm doing in the garden and this is what I'm going to be doing next month so I've got my second round of seeds to plant. I have planted already, what have I planted? I've planted a lot of cauliflowers and I've planted some cabbages. I've planted some celery and a little bit of Asian greens. Not too much yet, but I'm my second round, I'm going to plant a lot more Asian greens. So I've planted some tatsoi. What else have I planted? Some sprouting broccolis, some broccoli. Um, lots of those cool season crops because we are going to be coming into cool season. You wouldn't think so here in Perth. It's still very warm, but um, it's a great time to get seeds in the ground because the seeds are, you know, have still some good temperatures and we can get them up and ready to go. And by the time they are big enough to go into the garden, who knows? It may be cool enough. It may not. Um, but yeah, I just feel so excited to be able to be back planting. Another thing that I've got going on is I've got a few extra fruit trees to add to my collection. So I did share on my fruit tree video that I've got a, um, a fig. A, I've got the variegated fig, the tiger stripe fig which I'm really excited about. I feel like that's going to be really um, interesting. And also figs grow really well in our climate here in Perth because they don't mind the dry heat. So I think I'm going to start a collection of figs. I love a collection of things. I'm like quite obsessed with my guava collection, which I'm going to be expanding. But I think I'm going to go down the fig road. So we'll see. But I have got a fig to plant and I've got to fill in some of the gaps out the front. I've got lots of projects on the go. I feel like I need to finish some of these projects. <laughs> I need to get that worm farm up and running as well. So worm farm, get my compost bin all sorted, get my fig a home and fill in those gaps in the fruit trees out the front. So, But I'm going to fill in those gaps with things that are evergreen, that are dense, like I said in my last YouTube video. But also I want to fill in those gaps in the calendar as well. So I need to sort of think about what, potentially could be ready in summer that would be ideal for me because those citrus that I already have there are all going to be ready in winter so if I can start filling those gaps with summer plants um, that's going to really boost my self-sufficiency because I'm going to have fruit available every month of the year which would be amazing that's my ultimate goal I love fruit if you hadn't already noticed, I love fruit. So having fruit available all year round would be my ultimate goal. I know some people are a lot more, you know, excited about fruit, about vegetables than fruit. Um, but yeah, for me, fruit is it. So a few more 
interesting fruit trees for summer. Um, what have we got? Jane's also struggling with raspberries in Perth. Full summer sun seems too much and they go crispy, but shade, they don't grow. Um, I, I totally agree with you on that. I have also struggled with raspberries. Um, they do like that dappled light. The, the sun here is just too much for them. Crispy, burnt, dead raspberries. Um, but if you can create a little bit of a microclimate, I guess, with protection from that harsh sunlight, but not too much shade. It is a little bit of a in-between thing here with some dappled light. So they generally grow as an understory. So you can kind of think about them in terms of a food forest. They grow in an understory. So they do have that protection from the larger trees. So if you th try and revert it back to nature and how it would naturally grow, then you can sort of recreate that in your garden. That's the best way to go about it. Find out a little bit more information about where things naturally grow and then how can you replicate that in your garden. So again as well, if you're growing them in pots and containers, they're probably going to get quite hot. So uh, if the pot is too small, and also another reason that we mulch is to not only ret retain moisture, but it helps protect the roots from getting too hot. And I think that's a problem, you know, hugely in Perth is like, not only are you losing moisture by not having um, mulch, but also it's going to get hot. Like, have you touched, if you touch the soil in summer and it's not, it doesn't have mulch on it, it's actually so hot. So a thick layer of mulch is going to help cool it down because I just, yeah, raspberries just don't love the, the heat. Um, and yeah, we've got people joining from spring. That's exciting, Jackie. I do love a spring. Spring is very exciting. Um, and yeah, I... But I think every season is exciting and that's the great thing about seasonal eating, about seasonal gardening is that you get to be excited and like look forward to it, especially our friends over in the US or around the world that don't have the capabilities of gardening all year round because they get such harsh winters. You do get very excited, especially for spring, um, spring planting, spring eating. So it's not only celebrating the produce but also the fact that you can garden and you can like do things but as much as I love spring and summer it's also very hectic and I look forward to a winter season as well where it's a lot you know cooler things you don't have to fight to keep things alive as much and things grow really rapidly so um just like I like to celebrate produce in season I do also celebrate each garden season and the the joys that though they those different seasons bring as well and celebrate those like autumn come at me with less intense heat I will be forever grateful but then I by the end of winter I'm like give me sun I need some I need some I need some heat so it's yeah it's a great thing to have seasonal eating seasonal gardening and I know not all of us around the world do have the four seasons so it's even more special if you do have less um, seasons available you can try and I guess produce more in the seasons have more abundance in the seasons preserve more and then spend your winters planning and designing and 
getting your calendar sorted with all of your seasonal produce for all of the months that's going to be ready so that you can create more food from home and boost your self-sufficiency. But um, thank you guys so much for joining me. That's pretty much all I have for today's um, episode on seasonal gardening, on seasonal eating. So I would love if you could start to um, look into when things are in season and that way you're going to be able to know when to plant them. And you can do this by visiting your local markets and also by keeping an eye on the neighborhood when you go for a walk you can see what fruit are ripe and ready and it's going to be a really good way to keep those in your memory to know if you do want to grow something that is fruiting around now you can see what's what's out there and it does get very addictive like when I'm walking now I'm always spotting it's like oh I can see some you know pomegranates or loakwoods or the mulberry or I'm always peeping <laughs> when I'm walking around at fruit trees so that's a really really good one to do um, but I will see you guys back here next week and I'm sure we're going to do something interesting I'm really trying to push the boundaries here and do something new each week so that I can um, yeah keep it interesting so let me know if there's anything you want me to to give a go I'm, I'm always willing to see what I can do so um, this week we've got garden cam and we're outside it's gone very smoothly actually um, I can't believe we haven't had any extra noise but I'm okay with that so thank you guys so much for joining me and I will see you all same time next week for a new topic